Jim Calloway. And I'm Sharon Nelson. This is the 17th edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. Today, our topic is marketing in a down economy. We've all been following the news lately. This week, I noticed that another 1,500 or so lawyers have been laid off, and that continues to be a trend. So we have a lot of lawyers looking for work as an employee. We also have a lot of lawyers looking for more business as their clients run into economic trouble and other things happen. So I think we will talk a little bit about the changes in our society and how they affect the lawyer's marketing plan, and of course, how technology plays a role into that. You know, when you talk about the 1,500 lawyers that recently lost their job, I saw that today referred, as, referred to as the new March Madness, which I thought was interesting. And more figures for you, 4,200 legal jobs, not just lawyers in this figure, but paralegals and support staff lost their jobs in February, and 21,000 legal jobs have been lost in the last 12 months. Some folks, in a bad economy, Jim, I'm afraid they take kind of a Sherman-esque slash-and-burn approach to marketing. They fire all the marketers. In fact, you and I have a close friend who recently was fired by her, her law firm as a, a marketer because they simply considered that expendable. But it really is a mistake to discard marketing entirely because you're not going to have new business coming in without it. But it sure does have to change, so you've got to look at it with new eyes in the light of this new economy. So Jim and I have 15 tips for you. So why don't you start Start us off, Jim. Well, I think one interest to me is, is alternative billing. And I think as our clients get more cash-strapped, the idea of billing that can be more predictable and that they can understand it better is going to be very attractive to clients. So really, if you can mine your files, come up with an average fee for a, a task cost or a particular set of tasks, and often a legal project can be broken out into 15 tasks, each with their own price tag, then you can really mark to your, market to your clients by saying, here's what your legal services will cost, here's the alternatives and what it could go up to, but for clients who are working on a difficult budget, I think they're going to be really interested in not writing the blank check for the hourly billing, but to have a more predictable method. So I would think working on an alternative billing method for at least part of your client work and then marketing it to the clients is a good way to start. I've heard a lot of people predict that this economy may actually be the impetus that's needed to give some traction to alternative billing. Do you think that's true, Jim? I really do. We, you know, I've seen the death of the bill, billable hour predicted so many times that I'm not going to buy flowers and prepare to attend the service at this point. <laughs> Too many law firms have all of their compensation and partnership advancement and everything tied up with hours billed, where long ago that should have been set up with at least one component of, of fees earned rather than hours billed, because efficiency is the watchword in a down economy. And if you're on an hourly billing only method and you become incredibly efficient and do things in half the time, then you've basically had a 50% off sale. Yeah, that's true. And cash strap clients are really looking for value, and that's one way to give it to them with this alternative billing. Another thing you can do in this economy is get in touch with all of your current roster of clients and try to stay in touch with them. It's much harder and more expensive to get new clients. So take those current clients maybe out for an inexpensive lunch or do one of the 5K races with them, something that you know that they might enjoy that doesn't cost a fortune. 
help them strategize in this down economy, spend a lot of time listening. And I mean really listening because they all have stories to tell. Clients don't remember so much what you actually do for them. They remember how you make them feel. So make them feel like you're really concerned about what's going to happen to them and their company in this economy. And you can do the same thing with former clients because they too are more likely to come back to you, assuming of course that you did a good job for them the first time around. But those are the people you really want to protect. It's good to get new clients, but you've got to solidify and keep the base of clients you already have. Right. We're going to try to talk a little bit about, you know, how, how we do things that don't cost much money, sometimes with technology, sometimes, as you've noted, with the personal touch. It's just important to understand there may have to be cuts in the marketing budget. I'd hate to see that happen, but that may be the case. If you've got to make a 20% across the board cut, you're not going to be able to touch your utilities very much. You're not going to be able to change your lease payment. There's some things you're not going to be able to touch. And so I think maybe we look at cutting back on broad-based marketing. A lot of lawyers, especially those with consumer-focused practice, spend a lot of money on print and yellow page ads. And I think it's time to look more on targeted marketing. Appearing at industry events, for example, when you represent clients in a certain industry, it may be that sending out mail solicitation or brochures to a certain number of clients or potential clients, also often cross-marketing, you know, trying to talk to your clients about all their legal needs and make sure that they're not using some other firm to do something that your firm can do at a better value. But uh, I really see the decline of the yellow pages. It's not going to happen immediately, but, you know, we watch the daily newspapers close uh, all across our country, and it's clear that many people are relying on digital more than print. In fact, uh, I had an I was interviewed by an art uh, local reporter and mentioned that uh, I was upset when a uh, service I was looking for didn't have a web page and I had to grab the yellow pages and when I brought it down I noticed I had dust on my fingers so the headline on the article was yellow pages gather dust as legal eagles flock to the web to lure clients. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm with you, Jim. I cannot remember. Seriously, the last time I touched the yellow pages was to lift them off the floor where they reside so that I could clean underneath the table. And that was all I did with them. So I, I think it's been years. I carry them inside and outside to the recycle bin, and that's it. So I tell people, get off of that. In fact, the number one question I think people ask me is, okay, Sharon, I have very few dollars. I don't have much to spend on marketing. So where do I put this little bit of money that I have? And I would always suggest that you put whatever money you've got in your website and in search engine optimization for your website. In tough times, we really need to spend smart dollars when we market, and there simply are no smarter dollars than those invested in your website. More than 65% of people now begin their search for a lawyer online, so your website better be bright and shiny and persuasive, and maybe even speak to the economy, as you mentioned before, Jim, talking about alternative billing and so forth. And you need search engine optimization in order to be found on the search engines. Now we did a whole podcast on search engine optimization previously, so anybody who's listening, look it up in the archives if you want to learn more specifically about that. Make sure you've got yourself somebody who's of high quality and who's going to charge a reasonable amount for the website work and for the search engine optimization, but that's where you put savvy dollars in today's down economy. 
Uh, certainly, I agree with that. And again, there's website optimization at one level. There's also just the level of making sure you do the basics, like having your web address on your business cards and your stationery, making sure it's in your signature block of your emails. If you post on message boards, make sure your website address is listed there. So there's a lot of, again, just by being conscious of this, you can do a lot of free things. Blogging and podcasting are other things that, that are very interesting. Sharon and I both have blogs. We've had them for some time. And, and I actually was involved with a non-lawyer friend of mine who, who was setting up a blog. And, and there are many alternatives. And we just decided to go with TypePad. And, and basically, he's going to pay $149 a year to have this blog and photo album and all these different things. And, and I helped him. I am helping him, actually. We had done it yet. I'm helping him set it up. And uh, it's a pretty good bargain. So for lawyers, especially if you have a, a narrowly focused practice area, you may can become a national expert on a certain area just by the fact that you blog about it. Search engines love the blogs. They'll rank you high. And before you know it, you will be getting calls from media to comment on things and, and all sorts of things. So, you know, you've got to do it consistently. Sharon and I could do a whole podcast on blogging. You've got to do it consistently. You've got to make sure that you come up with two or three phrases that you want keyword search to hit for you and try to incorporate them in your blog posts. But, but certainly it's a low cost way. You have to get over the hoarding of the information mentality and be willing to share a little bit of information because that's what makes the blog readable and directs readers. And then, of course, all of you are listening to a podcast, so you're well aware of podcasts and, and how they operate. It's interesting that essentially with a, a few hundred dollars, a little bit of technical expertise, a little bit of time, you can have a worldwide radio station on the internet kind of amazing. It really is. You know, I think podcasting is more complicated. I think it's probably beyond uh, the ability of most lawyers to do that. Uh, frankly, even though you and I are something of technologists, Jim, as you know, we have often said humbly that without my partner and husband, John Simic, there's no way we could do this podcast because he makes us sound infinitely better than we are. Absolutely. <laughs> my, my next tip is to come up to speed on Twitter. Again, we've done a podcast. In fact, the last time, the last podcast was on social networking, and that, too, is in the archives. But Twitter is a 140-character microblog, so you can't say a whole lot on Twitter. You have people follow you, and you follow people, and so when you publish a tweet, your followers get to see it. But the best way to use it, and I'm not going to spend too much time on Twitter since we talked about it extensively before, but the very best way to use it is to impart useful information about your area of practice. Don't directly market, but pass on information that might be useful, case law, something that you find in, in the uh, newspapers online, since we're not usually reading them in paper anymore. Don't talk about emptying the cat's litter box or how much you love or hate the contestants on American Idol. That kind of stuff just will have people unfollowing you very, very quickly. Bob Ambrosi is really, really great on Twitter, and I believe he's actually writing a book on it now, but he has two articles that you can find on law.com. One is called Tweet 16, and another is Twitter Tools, and those are both excellent reference sources for somebody who wants to come up to speed in marketing via Twitter. Well, as you know, Sharon, I've come really a little bit late to Twitter, but it's a, certainly an interesting tool. I uh, personally uh, have so many uh, conduits for information that I'm not sure I'm going to be the kind of person that, that Twitters multiple times in a day. 
which is probably good for the people who are following me because I don't really have that exciting a life, Sharon. <laughs> I was going to announce your arrival, but then I thought you uh, you might want to come off like you were a veteran, but it was just today. Today was, was Jim's first tweet. <laughs> no, no, I've been tweeting for two weeks now. I just is told everybody about ah, it today. Ah, okay. Okay, not quite, not quite a, a Twitter a newbie then. <laughs> That's right. We talked about Facebook two weeks ago. If you didn't see that podcast that Sharon referred to, it's the 15th edition, I believe, of the Digital Edge. And you can certainly listen to that. But, but you know, having a profile on all of these social networking services makes a certain level of sense. There's Facebook. The one I see that there's repeat from that other podcast, that there's just no downside, in my view, to having a LinkedIn profile. Facebook has some fun and interesting things with it. And we've had people talk about, you know, getting their high school pictures exposed to their professional colleagues and other things through Facebook. Facebook has this great interrelation, and I have to tell you, I I really didn't think I would like Facebook and have determined that I enjoy it quite a bit. Sharon and I discussed that I I do a little bit more personal stuff on Facebook, and Sharon tries to keep it mainly business and professionally oriented. But any of these social networking sites, any place you have yourself listed online, the more times your name can be on the internet and the easier for people to find you, the better it is for your law practice. Amen, brother. (laughs) You also want to perfect your elevator speech. And for anybody who missed Marketing 101, this is a short version of who you are and what you do in approximately the 15 to 30 seconds it might take an elevator to move between a couple of floors. So you want to make it very short and sweet. And also, I always suggest that you have that same elevator speech converted for email, too, so that if you get an inquiry, you can shoot something back quickly and you're not constantly reinventing the wheel. But here's, here's a kind of example. Hi, I'm Jill Smith. I practice family law in Oshkosh. My practice has really changed recently in light of the economy, so I'm doing a lot of collaborative divorce and arbitration these days to help clients save money at a time when they need it most. By doing that, you've appealed, of course, to the economy, which is always smart, and maybe if the conversation continues, you'll get to mention that you're working a lot with clients who have negative equity in their homes, which all of our divorce lawyer friends tell us they're doing these days. But make it short and definitely get the economy in there because that is a key component to legal marketing today. Another thing is is we talk about branding in marketing and in my world, in my view, your brand is really your elevator speech. They should be one and the same. Maybe your elevator speech is two sentences and your brand is only 10 words, but what do you do and what makes you unique is very important. A brand shouldn't be thought of as a logo or getting things color coordinated or all of those things. I'm an old-fashioned guy and I still think one of the old-fashioned methods for marketing is great and that's get out of the office. I mentioned earlier, if you're client, if you represent clients in a certain industry, going to their trade shows, but getting out of the house, you meet people at CLEs. When you speak for a CLE program, it is a great opportunity to showcase your expertise, to run into some old law school classmates, and even then you can come back on your webpage and post that you were such an expert in your field, you were teaching the other lawyers about it. So that's a great thing. But community groups, civic organizations are always looking for speakers. And and really the key to here is to come up with a good topic and come across as personable and approachable. The topic can relate to your area of expertise, but it need not do that. I've had many situations where uh, lawyers have spoke to school classrooms 
and the teacher has hired them for a totally unrelated matter or whatever it might be. But uh, getting out and meeting people, passing out those business cards, business card, uh, websites, technology, we talk about all that. But in terms of a very cheap marketing tool, the business card is one of your best marketing tools. So pass out as many business cards as you can. Don't be shy about it. Don't think you're soliciting for business necessarily. Just think of it as the gentleman's calling card that you're passing out to people <laughs> who get in contact with you. I, I really like that suggestion that people get out there and, and do these CLEs. I mean, if you're capable of speaking at these groups, I think it's wonderful whether it's a, it is a CLE or whether it's a seminar to a community group or whatever. And I just want to say that Jim, because he is a, a law practice management advisor, you know, he doesn't get the direct benefit back, but I'm, I have a private company and we do electronic evidence and we do legal technology. And I will tell you that I have never gone and spoken at a CLE or a seminar without getting a client out of it. And sometimes more than one. And in one case, three class actions came out of it, and that's a gift that keeps on giving. So I am a huge proponent of, of learning to do this. And, and some people can't, they're just too afraid. But if, if you have the gift of gab and you're good with audiences and you know your subject matter, I really strongly suggest that as a marketing device. Sharon, I wanted to add one thing that I found interesting. A lot of the people who are really shy and don't do well marketing in person turn out in an interesting way to be those people who really like the online communities and the internet, uh, social networking or whatever. So if one's not your thing, maybe the other is. Good point, Jim. Uh, another thing to consider is perhaps you shouldn't limit yourself to your state or to the United States. There's an awful lot of business ab abroad. India and China in particular seem to be giving a lot of business to America. Everybody loves the American dream. Everybody wants an American presence. Everybody wants to do business with American firms. So I'm seeing a whole lot of attorneys, even solos, reaching out to these folks via email, which only costs you time, not money, and making connections abroad. And a number of these lawyers have reported that they've had great success with this, so do a little homework and go conquer the globe. When you shape your marketing message, Sharon, often lawyers think about the things that are important to us. And so you see a lot of law firm marketing messages, not so much lately, but certainly uh, traditionally. You know, our law firm has been in existence for 150 years, or we've been at the same location for 28 years. The problem is for a lot of uh, younger consumers, that just makes you sound old and out of touch. So think about tuning up your marketing message and really talking about current events. Talk about the economy. It certainly doesn't hurt to develop marketing material that says in these difficult economic times, you want an advisor you can trust and you want an advisor who understands your budget needs. Those type of messages as you target your marketing and talk about today's times have to be effective and certainly updating your marketing materials at least every six or eight months. I wouldn't wait a year on it. Good plan, but I would say that Right now, given what we're all seeing on the news and we're all seeing when we open up our 401k uh, statements and whatever, that, that marketing that talks about today's times is really going to catch people's attention because they're thinking about today's times. Absolutely. Another thing you might want to consider is uh, guerrilla marketing. And if you don't know what that is, it's the kind of marketing that is very low cost, but it's sort of something clever and creates a lot of buzz. And, and to give you an example of that, there was one firm that at a dinner, they had their names spe spelled out on the dinner plates in coffee grounds. Now, that just created a lot of buzz. People started talking about it. Now, they removed, I'm happy to say, the coffee grounds before anybody actually ate the dinner. But that kind of stuff really works 
works. And, and we had an example of that too. There was one occasion where we contributed to a, a bag that all the attendees were given. We contributed midget bottles of sake. And that was the most talked about thing. And it wasn't expensive, but it really got people talking because it was something different. So that's a way to save some dollars, but distinguish yourself and create a little buzz and there are several great books on guerrilla marketing on Amazon so take a look and see if maybe you peruse a couple of those and it doesn't give you some good ideas. It depends on your comfort level with some of these things. All lawyers didn't made the jump to give you know, their names on ink pens and things like that but those don't have a lot of shelf life. I mean would your firm be the kind that was comfortable with coming up with your own custom calendar with 12 pictures of, of your local community and and is something that people are going to put on their walls and have it there for a year or something to think about for sure. A final point for me is to keep your resume up to date. You never know what opportunity is going to happen. You may be a solo practitioner who believes fervently that you want to live the life of a solo and you never want to go to work for a firm and you may not have updated your resume in years but have that resume up to date you don't know when there may be some opportunity you don't know when there may be some challenge that you might look forward to undertaking or it may be that just uh, some of that information needs to be pulled out and given to a client or given to a corporation when they're going to review what new firm that they're going to undertake so if you don't have anything new on your resume in the last two or three years I think that points out something of interest to you that maybe I need something new on my resume going back to those CLE programs or writing an article for your bar journal or some other lawyer magazine so even though you're not looking for a job keep your resume up to date always keep all your options open and God forbid you should be one of those poor people who gets a, a pink slip, whether it's an interview, a real pink slip, or an email in the form of a pink slip. But you don't want to assume that you're safe. I don't think hardly anyone is safe these days. So again, this is this is you know you can you can take that resume if you've got it up to date, and you can start shooting it out tomorrow if you need to. Uh, once you get past the pain of what just happened to you, if anybody ever does, tough times. So keep that resume up to date. I'm very happy to say that on the next digital. Edge will be with our friend and fellow legal technologist Ross Codner. Ross, Jim, and I have written a book entitled How Good Lawyers Survive in Bad Times to be published by the ABA in April, hopefully concurrently with ABA Tech Show, and we hope we'll see you there. When we do this next podcast, I think what we're going to do is we'll probably leave off marketing because we've done that extensively here, but we have a lot of information on legal technology, on law firm management, and also on finances. So we hope we'll see you then. And that's all, folks, for this edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers in Technology. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye, Miss Sharon. Happy trails, cowboy. <laughs>